Are you mad at me, Ashley Baxter, for including your outtakes on the show last time? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just a bit embarrassed because now people know that I talk to my dog like she's a person. Doesn't everyone talk to their dogs? I think so, but I don't think everybody does it in such a public manner that it gets published on a podcast. Does she talk back? Nah, she just looks really bored at me all the time. <laughs> I think she hates me. I think she doesn't hate you. I think that was the best bit of any of the shows that we've done for such a long time. <laughs> well, if my Skype cuts out today, I know not to talk to my dog. Oh, that was just the funniest bit. Anyway, how are you? Oh, well, Andy, I'm not going to say I'm good because I saw your rant on Twitter. So I'm going to say, not bad, thank you. How are you? This is the thing. I mean, I'm not going to get uptight about it, but I just think that, you know, I like Americans and I like America. I've been to America a lot and I like, well, most of them. You know, I like most Americans. Mm -hmm. Well, some Americans, a few. Anyway, (laughs) and that's okay. You know, they're okay. But I don't understand why we have to try to talk like them. You know, it's people that come from Oswestry don't need to sound like they come from Ohio. You know, it's just, it just feels wrong. But how do you know that it, that that's an American saying? Because I didn't know that. Well, it's kind of is. We never used to say "I'm good." People used to say "How are you?" You never said "I'm good." People would go, "Oh, I'm very well, thank you." Or they'd say, "If being English or British, we'd go mustn't grumble," or you know, some kind of <laughs> not quite good, but not sort of sub subpar. We'd sort of say, oh, "I'm not bad." Or um, fair middling, or something like that. That's what we'd okay, say. Okay, but see if somebody asks you how you are. Do you actually think about your answer and give them a genuine response, or is it by default? I'm not bad. Uh, no, by default, it's not bad. Oh, see, I think about it and I give them a really in-depth analysis of how I am. What, like a proper sort of system yeah. status, like your full health report? Well, it's my big toe's been hurting yep. since I dropped that medicine ball on it. <laughs> you know what a medicine ball is? Of course I do. I can't pick one up, but no one is. <laughs> we might talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> um, some quick follow-up then from last week. Just got a bit of follow-up. I don't know whether you listened, but I was talking to Laura and I mentioned that I'd got an email from this PR company down in London. They wanted us to work for free to design a logo and a site for somebody that had been kicked off the voice. Oh. Do you watch The Voice? Funnily enough, one of my friends got kicked off it. So who is this that you, that they want you to design a website for? I've forgotten her name now. Oh, well, this is a dude, so it's not him. No, it's Lucy something. She's a she's a girl from Essex. No, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that kind of TV. No, well, no, I watch it. It's, it's the thing that I watch. I was completely wrong in my prediction as to who would win. It's over? Somebody won? It's finished? Well, no, but the person that I thought would win got kicked off last week. Oh, right. So I was I was completely wrong. What do I know? I haven't listened to anything new since 1979. Anyway, hmm. <laughs> they wanted somebody to work for free. And I replied back in the email and I asked if anybody else, like her sound crew or maybe the recording studio or somebody else, whether they were going to work for free as well. And uh, surpri- surprise, surprise, I didn't hear back. It was a good response, though. Well, I thought I'd at least get something back from them. Like what? I mean, they knew that you were being sarcastic. Well, it was a sensible question. 
No, they could have at least been polite enough to reply. I have liberties that some people take. I don't understand why they wanted a website done for free. I don't understand why they wanted a website done at all when actually she had one or has one, which, you know, looks all right to me for, you know, for what, for what she wants. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand how people think they can just take liberties, but there you go. Well, they do. That's the, um, that's the first bit of follow up. Second bit is I mentioned also that I had the idea that I wanted to write a contract killer contract, but this time for conference speakers. Oh, so that's interesting because I've only done one conference talk so far. So tell me why, how this would help me. Well, I was talking with Laura again last week about uh, some of the things that conference speakers have to be aware of. Things like, we talked a lot about making sure we get paid for one thing. And, you know, when you start a job with a client, you're going to want to set up things like payment terms. You're going to want a deposit, for example. You know, if you're going to be booking in a week's worth of your time to doing a design or building something, you're going to want a deposit and you want to know when after you've finished, you're going to get paid. Well, nine times out of 10 with a conference, you don't get that kind of discussion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, often you book time well in advance. You think, yeah, I'm going to be going off to this great conference some, you know, in a few months time. But you don't have actually that written down, you know, as an agreement on paper. You don't have a deposit paid to kind of book that time as you would with a commercial job. And things like payment terms, you know, you're going to get paid on the day that you give your talk, like some conferences do. You're going to get paid within seven days, 30 days. What are the payment terms? Those sort of things should be written down as if you were doing any other kind of job. Um, and I think speakers need to need to have that. And then the other thing that we talked about was the content itself. Who owns the content and what can an organizer, conference organizer, do with your content once you've given it. Mm. Uh, some conferences have sold videos or sold uh, CDs or DVDs that's contained kind of uh, speaker's material and not paid them any royalties for that. Well, that's a good point. All of those things, I think, should be written down in the contract. So I'm going to do my little contract killer version. I've had some good contracts given to me over the last couple of years. The Event Apart contract is a really, really strong foundation. So I'm going to just put a, uh, a new little speaker's contract together and I'm going to put it up on GitHub and see where we go with that. Yeah, I like the idea of that. Now that you've pointed out all of these gaping holes, you would do it with any other kind of work. So why not a conference talk? Exactly. And you know, you might, you might put a few other things in there. I'm not sure. I think I'll probably break it down in such a way that people can just, you know, knock things off if they don't need it. Um, because, you know, not everybody's going to want to include something about air travel, um, mm -hmm. or transfer, transfer some airports and who pays for those. Um, not everybody's going to want to have something in there about who pays for Wi-Fi in a hotel, for example. You know, that yeah. kind of stuff. So have you ever had a kind of bad experience where you were booked in to speak at a conference and as a result of not having a contract, everything has fallen through fairly last minute? There's been one or two where things have fallen through pretty much at the last minute. By last minute, I mean like, you know, within six weeks of it supposedly going ahead. Right. Um, and six weeks is quite a lot, especially if you're booked in advance, like, you know, like I often am. You know, you've got to try and fill that week. So, yeah, there's been a couple of occasions like that. And there's been a couple of occasions where we've had to wait a long, long time to get paid. Um, not so much by kind of smaller events, but by kind of big corporate conferences, that kind of thing. 
Whereas I don't know, like as a as a kind of wedding photographer, I always take all of my payment, like a book, twenty percent deposit, and then I take the rest of the payment up front before the wedding. So as a conference speaker, what when would you expect to get paid after you've done it? Well, I'd like everybody would like to be paid beforehand. Um, I'm not sure whether that's always going to be possible, but certainly I think on the day and an event apart do this um, or did this in the past. They do it differently now because of, um, you know, electronic payments and stuff, but they would always literally give you a check the moment you walked off stage. And it was such a wonderful thing. It's like, there you wow. go. You've done your job and off you go. Wow. That's like winning the lottery, like being handed a check. I've never, I can't remember the last time I had a check. Yeah, they don't do it anymore because they pay straight into uh, the company bank account. But that that kind of thing. So I'm going to put this together. I'm going to get it up on GitHub. And I haven't got around to it because I've been away this week. So I was hoping to have it finished by the time that, you know, we sat down to do this. But I haven't yet. So it'll be another week and then I'll put it out there. Where were you, Andy? I went down to Plymouth. That doesn't sound very interesting. Do you know, actually, it was was interesting to to go and do this client project and lovely people to work with. Plymouth itself doesn't seem to be that attractive. I think that it got bombed to hell in the last war. Most of like the middle of Plymouth, I'm going to really offend people who live in Plymouth. It's a bit like a kind of a Stalinist car park. It's like what? It's like a Stalinist car park. It's like, you know, concrete. Everything's made of concrete. Wow. In fact, the car park at the back of Toys R Us, the multi-story where I kept parking my car all week, was probably the most interesting building in Plymouth. Hmm, I'm going to look at Plymouth on 500 pixels, because if you're going to see good photos <laughs> anywhere, then it's going to be on there. Yeah, okay, well, have a look. I didn't have a lot of time for walking around, to be honest. I had a couple of lunches where we just kind of, you know, mooched out into the town. Um, but most of the time I was sitting, you know, sitting on me behind working. Yes. So we'll do some more follow-up a bit later on, including the follow-up that I want to make sure that we make, we don't forget, we mustn't forget this, is Ashley's Scottish slang word of the week. Oh, well... Because people have been asking for that. Gosh, the last one just came out of nowhere. <laughs> so what shall I... Do? I have to choose one right now for today. Don't do now. We'll do it later. Okay, I hope it just pops out naturally. I'm sure it will. You know what I mean? I'm sure, I'm sure it will. Also, I've just went on to 500 pixels and looked at Plymouth, but apparently there's a Plymouth in New Zealand and that looks pretty amazing. Oh God, I bet it is. Yeah. There's some nice bits of Plymouth. We went down to, um, like the sort of the old harbour. They call it the Barbican. And that's still kind of cobbled streets and old warehouse buildings. And that's where the, uh, the marina is and things like that. And it, it looks lovely. Oh, that sounds nice. It looks really nice. But the majority of kind of like the modern town centre of Plymouth is, uh, is a bit concretey. Plus, they've got this thing. And I haven't figured out exactly what it is yet, but it's called the Plymouth Ho. What? H-O-E. Okay. It's a body of water that's kind of in the, the harbour, I think. And jokes about the Plymouth Hoe just never get tiring. I can imagine. <laughs> I'm looking at, I'm looking at that now and though that looks nice. I think that's about the best bit. Yeah, that does look quite pretty. So what I want to do is just explain why quickly explain why this show is going out later than normal because normally what i do is i sit on a sunday afternoon and then i edit the show and then i kind of put it out sunday evening sunday evening kind of monday morning usually uh that's when i normally press the red button and put the show out but this is going out later on monday so i apologize for anybody that's been 
waiting impatiently. Because I'm sure people do that, you know. They think, where is it? Where is it? They keep hitting refresh on the website. Especially when I'm on the show. They do that. I've heard reports <laughs> of them doing that. We've had to actually buy extra bandwidth. <laughs> We've had to uh, make our server more robust. I know you're not kidding. For the episodes that you're on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But no, we're going to put this out a little bit later than normal because uh, we have to wait for the embargo on a bit of news to be lifted. And I don't know what time on Monday this is actually going to go out, but really, 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 really happy that Stuff and Nonsense has been shortlisted for Agency of the Year at the Net Awards. Yay! So that means that the public vote's done, and the public, it's a bit like The Voice, isn't it? The public vote on The Voice. Yeah. Phone in, 01745, A5, whatever the number is. I should actually know my own phone number, shouldn't I? 01745. Eight five one eight four eight. You dial that number and you vote for us. Actually, don't dial that number because then you're going to get through to me and I'm going to get very annoyed. Uh-huh. But it means that the public voted for us and we've actually made the top five. So it's been narrowed down from 30 or something. Wow. 30, 300, I don't care. All the way down to the top five, which is great. I'm so happy. You should be very proud of yourself. No, I am. I'm really, really proud. And the Sues. And the Sues, especially the Sues, because <laughs> they've made a <laughs> they've made a big difference to what we've been doing over the last year. So yeah, no, it's really good. It means a lot. It means a lot that people seem to like what we've done. I don't suppose you know who else you've been shortlisted with. No, and I haven't done that thing where you because we got the email through uh, last Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon. I got the email from the publisher from the awards people. So I haven't done that thing where you've kind of sent DMs or tweets to people going, have you had the email? Have you had the email? Because we were told not to let the cat out of the bag or to say anything to anybody. Yeah, so officially it says that the judges make their decision on Monday. I'm a bit confused about how it works, Andy. Well, the public vote now has shortlisted the top five. And then the judges... Public vote has finished, yeah. And then the judges who start their deliberations on Monday, they will then choose from the five. Gosh. We've been sending out large bags of cash. I bet you have. All those people that that we know are judges. And, you know, and, and if we don't send cash, then we send horses' heads. Uh-huh, but I'm sure that you actually... Were you not nominated... Last year? No, this is the first time that we've ever been nominated for agency. So that's what I'm really happy about. Yeah, no, that is exciting. So no, I don't know who else is on the list, but I know that there's some strong competition. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, do you know what? I mean, I'd like to win, obviously. I'm not going to count any chickens because, you know, I'm not. And I hope that people carry on a vote, but we'll just see how that one goes. Well, you know, I mean, there are some people who just want to say negative things about the net awards but i think that when you're nominated it is it is a big compliment so well done andy and the Sues. oh thank you you're welcome i haven't i haven't heard anything about the podcast category yet though i would be surprised if if you didn't get shortlisted for that i know see i'm assuming that we haven't made it on the list i think we'd have heard by now i don't know maybe do you not have any insider contacts no no? No. Okay. I did actually, I did send out an email to, uh, a tweet to a, a couple of people, DM, saying, have you had the email? And they were like, no, we haven't had the email either. So maybe we're going to find out on Monday. Maybe by the time that this show goes out, we'll know about podcast or not. I don't know. 
But, you know, it's okay. If we don't get shortlisted for that, then I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to cry into my teeth. Well, here's a question. If you don't get shortlisted for that, does it make you think about how you can improve the podcast? Has it, you know, Mm. can you take something positive away from it? Absolutely, I would. And I've got some ideas for what I want to do with the thing kind of over the next six months. Yeah, there's a lot of new podcasts coming out and there's a lot of ones that started around about the same time. I'm thinking about Liz and, um, oh God, what's he called? That guy, Simon, no, Sean, Sean and the freelance web. Oh yeah. That guy, I mean, you put, nobody ever listens to it. I know, but it's, um, (laughs) they've actually been, (laughs) I know I always tease them. That's, I love that podcast. I listen to that every single week. When they do. Oh, okay. So that was a joke. Yeah. Sorry. Did you not pick up the hint of irony in my voice? (laughs) No, I felt awkward. I always pretend that I can't remember the guy's name. (laughs) He's been on the show. Okay. That's okay then. Um, but that's been getting better and better and better over the last sort of, you know, well, since they started. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of good competition and there's a lot of things that I listen to now and I think, God, that sounds great. Yeah. That's, that's a really different take on things. And I think things are, you know, there was a point where everybody was doing kind of interview shows. It was like, who should we get on this week? Yeah. And, uh, you know, what's, in, what's inspiring you, Ashley Baxter? You know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And now things are sort of diverging. And there's a lot of people kind of getting their own personality into the shows. I think it's great. So, yeah, there's loads of things that we can improve on this one. And, it's you know, we're, it's still early. We're still finding our feet. I mean, what have we done? This is episode... 62. It's 62. Oh, yes. So, you know, I'd be happier to be nominated next year then maybe i will be this year we haven't done enough yet but you still don't know there is time there is time to be yeah, shortlisted possibly. i'll keep my fingers crossed for you add some answers to some questions you get the email through from the uh, from the net awards and they're going to be running like an interview i think it's going to go out next week it might go out on monday i'm not sure but they wanted some questions answered by the end of the week so i sat and wrote that this morning and they wanted to know three projects that we were particularly proud of, which is really hard to do. Yeah, I can imagine. So I chose the Hillsborough Independent Panel Project, you know, that big yes. kind of Hillsborough report thing. That was really challenging, and I thought we did some good work there. Did that not affect you quite a lot? No, it did. I, I got quite depressed yeah. <laughs> working on that because I did spend a few weeks really just reading you know a lot of books and a lot of video watching of stuff about the the disaster oh gosh yeah no it was really really horrible so yeah let's not go down that road now that was probably unlike any job that I've ever done before which is one of the reasons why I chose it and then I chose the the Rudy Van Dyke Foundation job that we did fairly recently because that was sweet it was a really sweet little job but it kind of shows off what we do with, you know, good causes and pro bono work, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and then ISO, because I really liked that ISO project. It was such a lot of fun to work on. Gosh, yeah, and they're massive. You've got lots of big clients. Yeah, I don't always like doing the big ones. I actually usually prefer to deal with smaller clients, you know, when you're dealing with the guy that's in charge. Why? Do, is like it because that. they get it a bit more? I just think it's a lot more... It's a lot more fun to do. I, I always feel that, I'm not sure this isn't the case probably, but I always feel that when somebody's putting their own money into it, you know, when it's their oh, own yeah. business, that they are more committed. Absolutely. Um, that's not to say that people at ISO weren't committed because they were. I mean, they were, you know, hugely influential in, in making this thing successful. But 
I like to deal with people where you, you know, and also in, internal politics. I don't do well with politics. Yeah. You know, little kind of departmental infighting, things like that. That's, that's not something that interests me at all. So, and you get that in bigger companies, but you don't tend to get it, you know, with, you know, with, with smaller organizations. So gosh, nothing about bigger companies sounds attractive to me. Mm-mm, I wouldn't want to work there. I wouldn't want to, to own one, you know, like I'd rather keep my business small. Well, that's what we've always tried to do. Yeah. So then they asked what happened over the last year. So I mentioned hiring the Sioux, one of the Sioux. I think that's so funny. I know. <laughs> the Sioux. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mentioned, you know, how that's changed what we've done and doing the podcast and stuff like that. And then what else did they ask? They asked about any special philosophies that drive your working practices and company culture. This stuff's really hard to do on a Friday morning. Oh, uh, yeah. Just sort of sitting there trying to figure out what, you know, what matters. It's like a kind of corporate manifesto or something. I know, but I bet it's, it's given you sort of a, a, a kind of new perspective of your business when hmm. somebody asks you these questions. Cause they're not questions that you would typically ask yourself. No. And it makes you think about what well, if people need to know this stuff, then, um, maybe that's the sort of stuff that we need to be saying on our website anyway. Yeah. And, you know, not wait for somebody to ask. Biggest question, the really, really hard question was <laughs> the one at the end. It said, what sets you apart from the rest? What does set you apart from the rest, Andy? Oh man, that's so hard. It was like, you know, not that I've ever had a proper interview, but I imagine when you go for interview and somebody says, so why do you want to work here, Ashley? Oh man, I've never been for a proper interview either. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to say. Have we talked about this before? Interviews? No. I've never, ever got a job that I've applied for really? and interviewed for. Not once, no. But you have, like, so I don't have any kind of conventional work history because I obviously came out of college and was kind of handed a business to run. Whereas you do have, you, you know, we talked about this last time I was on with your background in photography. So how did you get those jobs? You must have applied for those jobs. I applied for one this was at the, at the photographic studio. Actually, the job that I applied for wasn't the job that I ended up going there and doing. So the studio assistant job wasn't the job that I'd applied for. It was something else. So although I did get the job, it wasn't the job that I interviewed for, which was weird. Right. And then every other job after that was meeting somebody, you know, getting to know a competitor or, you know, a company that you're working with and then meeting somebody there and then them saying, do you know what? We could really do with somebody that could come and take care of our digital photography division. Yeah. And you just go, I can do that. And that's how I've, that's how I've always got jobs. But do they ask really cliche questions during interviews? Like Andy, are you a team player? Do they ask <laughs> that stuff? I don't know. I mean, maybe other people can tell us, but. I'm sure they do. Yeah, they must do. And then, then there must be the, like the, the sort of the, the testing questions, the kind of who would win in a fight, Boba Fett or Batman type questions. Claire left us those. Really? Yeah. That's one of Jeremy's favorites. Wow. What's the right answer? <laughs> I don't think there is one. I think it's just how you justify whatever you say it is. Oh, Boba Fett is from Star Wars, right? Well, I've never seen Star Wars, so I probably wouldn't get a job there. Ashley, do you know what the cinema is? Yeah, I just don't like sci-fi. <laughs> it's that big building this, on the outskirts of town. Yeah. Where you go and watch those things that the ancient people called films. Yeah. We digress. 
No, I did actually get one tricky interview. It was for Kodak. Did we talk about this? I'm sure I've mentioned this before. Um, no. I was going for this digital photography job, went to the interview, and bearing in mind that, you know, I knew these people very well. You know, we'd been in the same industry for a long time, and I went there. They were looking for a sort of a development manager kind of job. I went for the interview, and I got into the room, and this lady said, well, before you have the interview, I need you to uh, fill in some questions. There's 30 questions, takes 30 minutes. And if you could, you know, here's a pen and, and thing. And it's one of those, what do they call them? Kind of Myers-Briggs personality test things. Right. You heard of these things? Yeah. She shuts the door, starts the clock at 30 minutes. I put my pen down. What? <laughs> and she comes back after 30 minutes and says, so did you fill in all the questions? I said, no, I didn't fill in any of them. Wow. And she looked at me as if somebody had just stolen her cat. Ah. Uh-huh. That's how I'm looking at you right now. Nobody had ever done that. So she goes into the room. She takes me into the uh, into the interview room, and there's like five people on the panel, and I knew four of them. And she was all flustered, this poor lady. And she said, "But, but, 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 but he would, but, 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 but he wouldn't even, he, he wouldn't even fill in his form." And I said, "No, I'm not filling in a form." I said, "You know who I am. You know what I'm capable of. I've been beating you in deals for the last three years." Oh, that's good. <laughs> Anyway, I didn't get the job, strangely. Oh. I don't think I was a team player. No, I thought that was going to have a really inspirational ending there. No, it didn't. I got kicked out on my ass. Oh. So it doesn't pay off to break the rules sometimes. Depends on whether you want the job or not. Plainly, I didn't after all of that. Can you imagine me working in a place like that with a suit? Oh, Oh, no. no. Well, actually, yes, because you love suits. Yeah, but I don't like suits as like a daily uniform i wouldn't want to wear a suit and go for you know a suity booty job every day yeah i was thinking of signing up to linkedin again and then i just remembered all of those i hate people oh no not i don't hate people but i hate the suit avatars is it avatars or avatars andy i don't know it's avatar avatar but do you know do you know what i mean like the really cliche smiling balding man in his suit (laughs) does the suit come from next yeah (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. But do you know what I mean? That's, that's stopping me from signing up to LinkedIn again. I just can't stand those photos. I wear the suit on stage because nobody else wears a suit on stage. Or I mean, some people do now. But, you know, when I did it and when I wore that silly silver three-piece suit, it was because... I thought that it made a statement and I thought that it was unconventional. No. Whereas if I had to wear a suit every day... That wouldn't be unconventional, would it? But there's a massive difference between wearing a suit to look smart and stylish than wearing a suit to appear professional, if you know what I mean. Do you know what I mean? You don't, do you? No, no, I do know what you mean. Just It would just be so soul-destroying, you know, having to, like, you know, go to work in a suit every day. It would, oh, dear. If that was your corporate uniform. I used to get told off all the time in jobs for wearing T-shirts and, you know, looking scruffy. I got lost. This was my problem. When I was applying for these jobs, I'd completely lost me and where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. You know, I'd I'd gone away from the creative game for a while. When? Late 80s, midnight, early 90s, that kind of thing. Wow. That was a long time ago. It was a very long time ago. We did have colour television, though. Okay. So that was the problem. Colour television. Colour television is such a huge problem. 
Is it? With fake tans, it's a massive problem. People are orange. Gosh, you're telling me I edit wedding photos of women who wear fake tan and when you edit it and give them a little bit more contrast, it makes them look like an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> this is the bane of my life. Fake tan is the bane of my life. Oh, God. Have you been to Liverpool? No. Everywhere, fake tan. Really? Everyone. Yeah. Well, like, is it is really a visible problem? I got a flight. I shouldn't really say this. It's terrible. I get flights quite a lot from Liverpool on EasyJet. And it's really, really hard to tell where the EasyJet uniform stops and the person's face starts. It's really hard. I have to go and see this for myself, but not take any photos. (laughs) Uh, Listen, we need to do a sponsor. Okay. Let me tell you about an event that I'm really very disappointed that I can't go to and why I think you should go. What's that event? Well, it's the Business of Web Design Conference that's happening in Cardiff on the 18th of July, 2014. That's this year. So this isn't a conference about making websites. It's not about design or development. Well, not directly. It's about the business end of web and creative industries. Does that sound familiar? Are you talking to me? I'm kind of talking to you. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's what this show's supposed to be about, allegedly. Every now and again, when we're not talking about Doctor Who, soap or something. (laughs) So the business end of web design is organized by Joel Hughes, and he's invited some wonderful people to speak. So it kicks off with that bloke, um, uh, Simon, um, Stephen. This is a joke again. um, Sean Johnson. (laughs) He's got his own podcast. I can't remember what it's called. And he's talking about how to price up projects. I'd, I'd like to go and hear that. Then there's Kirsty Burgoyne, uh, Viviana Doktorovich. Did I say that right? Doktorovich. Mm-hmm. She's from Clear Left. Well, that sounds like a Bond. She sounds like a Bond villain. Such a great name. Yes. Viviana Doktorovich. Such a cool name. Then you've got uh, Quick on the Draw, Stu Robson, Dan Edwards, last year's Young Designer of the Year, Dan Edwards. He was great. I love Dan. Steve Kirtley, Danny Bluestone, and it finishes up with the one and only my friend Paul Boag, who's talking about educating clients to say yes. That's a really fresh, fabulous lineup and some very different talks. I wish I could go. Why can't you go, Andy? Because it's Alex's graduation that week. Oh, He's well, that's graduating legit... from yeah. university, so it's a very legitimate uh, reason not to go. Okay, well, here's a question for you. Do you have a legit reason not to come to the conference that I'm speaking at on the 1st of May, Dot York? Yes, I do. Oh. Because that week is Sue's birthday and our 25th wedding anniversary. That's pretty legit as well, then. I'll let so you know. We're so we're taking the week off and we're going to go and do something funky, but I don't know what yet. Okay, well, maybe if you pass through York, you can pop in to Dot York. The business of web design conference is where you'll get help and advice from on the front line of running a web design business. And you should just go. You should definitely attend. It's on the 18th of July. Tickets cost just £129. So go to unfinished.bz slash business to get yours. And if you use the offer code unfinished, you'll get 10% off at the checkout. And there's a secret code. There's a secret code. Don't tell anyone. If you use the offer code Dirty Ape, 
you'll get 20% off, not 10%, 20% off until the end of Wednesday this week. That's the 2nd of April. Don't tell anyone. That does sound good. It does sound a good conference. It does sound good. And you could probably fly down from Glasgow to Cardiff. Yeah, that's how I got to handheld. But remember, I hate flying. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Still better than spending a fortnight on the train. True. But I could get lots of reading done. Speaking of Paul Boag, whose birthday is today, Friday, he's not going to know about this because he never listens to podcasts. Happy birthday, Paul. We could say anything we like about him and uh, he wouldn't know because he just never listens. He doesn't even listen to his own podcast. Wow. Is he not like one of the original podcasters? He was doing podcasts before they were called podcasts. That's amazing. Actually, I made that up. But he has been doing it for a very long time. Because I was on the 200th episode, and that was years ago. Wow. That was years ago when I was still Does he still do it now, regularly? Yeah, I think he's changed it around a little bit. So he does kind of seasons on particular topics rather than doing like a, a, a regular weekly talk show. But it's all good stuff. You know, it's all worth listening to. So I've noticed from following you on Twitter that you have a little competition going on with him. <laughs> yes, we do. Tell me yes. more. We are both approaching middle age. We're both almost 40. What? They're not. <laughs> Yeah, 40 is fast looming. <laughs> Plus 10. And shut up. <laughs> and shouldn't tell guests to shut up. And we're both approaching middle age. We're both getting a little rotund in places where gentlemen become rotund. Mm-hmm. We were talking when we met up at the Smashing Conference about needing to lose a bit of weight. We've got this challenge now. It's the first one of us. Well, it started off being the first one to lose a stone. So for those people that don't know what a stone is, Americans, it's 14 pounds, which is roughly what I need to lose. It's it's a lot of weight, though. It is a fair amount of weight, but it works out to be, he's, he's lighter than me. He's lighter and shorter, so he actually needs to lose a bit less, and I need to lose a bit more. So we've worked it out to be 8.5% of body weight is what we need to lose. Did you not get my message about tracking all of this with the withing scale? No. Well, that'll be why you ignored me then. I'm going to be embarrassed. How did you send me that? It was just through a a DM. Oh, okay. I'll I'll go back and have a look. Tell me about it now. Obviously, when you weigh yourself on scales and it tells you your weight in in pounds and whatnot, it can often be quite misleading because muscle weighs more than fat. So it's, sometimes it can be a good idea to measure your your kind of body fat. Is this your BMI? Yeah. So the Withing scale will tell you your BMI. It tells you a bunch of things. I've got one, actually. I'm just about to open up my app. But yeah, it tells you your your weights in the more traditional sense. And it tells you, you can set goals. So I'm trying to lose 0.5 kilograms a week, which just isn't happening, let's be honest. And... um how much is 0.5 kilos in old money? What? How much is it in pounds? Um, uh, Gosh, I can't even tell you. I don't know. What is uh, it? If only there was an app that you could do that. Let me Google it. Yeah, Google it. Point 0.5 kilos. Yeah, it's like, it's nothing. 0.5 kilo in pounds, according to Google, is... No, that's 5 kilos, not 0.5, you dipstick. 
I'm the dipstick, not Google. 0.5 kilos is 1.1 pounds. Right, so I'm trying to lose a pound a week. But you're super skinny anyway. No, but not anymore. (laughs) 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 And it tells you your fat mass and your BMI as well. It's, um, it's a, it's better to have, you know, that kind of bigger picture to look at your weight loss as opposed to pounds, especially because I do a lot of weightlifting. So obviously I'll gain muscle and that weighs more than fat. And that could get scary if I weigh myself and I'm getting heavier. But in reality, I'm actually more lean. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. So you should look into one of those, although they are kind of expensive. We're just a week in and I'm not going to lose it overnight, obviously. But I think that it would be it would be a fair target to try and lose that amount over three months. Yes. I think that that's kind of a reasonable thing. So we're just going to, we're not going to go mad. We're not going to go on any crazy diets. Uh, we don't want to, you know, do that whole yo-yo dieting thing because I don't want to do a diet at all. I just want to basically stay fitter. That's what we're going to do. And it's, 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 it's nice to have a bit of competition, you know? But it's, it's so public. I mean, what do you win if you, if you lose it and Paul doesn't, is there some sort of reward? Actually, we haven't talked about that. I think a pork pie. Really? Or a scotch egg. No. Oh, I love a scotch egg. Oh, how about a donut? Mm. Do you know, I've gone off donuts. When Krispy Kreme donuts first came over here and they were rare, and you thought, oh, you go into Manchester or Selfridges or somewhere and there'd be like a posh shop that had Krispy Kreme donut stand. Oh, they were nice. Mm-hmm. Now you can just get them in a garage. It's not in not Scotland. No? No, we didn't have any Krispy Kreme until last year. This Krispy Kreme drive through opened up in Edinburgh. So it's still fairly a bit of a drive for me to go and get a donut. So it's still got that novelty factor. And when this Krispy Kreme drive through opened in Edinburgh, you were queuing, I kid you not, for hours to get a donut. Like Scotland went crazy for donuts. <laughs> that has to be our show title. Scotland went crazy for donuts. <laughs> and we're not exactly the slimmest nation as it is. But gosh, That's... those donuts are worth it. <laughs> I do like a good donut. Actually. I haven't had a donut for such a long time. Mm. I think the thing that I'm trying to do, and I'm, I've got no real plan, I just want to be a little bit more sensible with eating. I mean, I don't eat badly anyway. It's not like I'm scoffing donuts all day long normally. There's obviously something that I'm doing that's putting the weight on. Oh, so you have been steadily gaining weight then? I've been steadily gaining weight for like the last five years. And then I lost a fair bit at the beginning of last year, like in a big dip. I must have, I think I dropped about a stone. Hey, does this have anything to do with you quitting, gaining weight to do with you quitting smoking? No, that was years ago. All oh, right. No, but I did gain weight when it's yes, yeah, steadily three years ago. Basically, when I quit smoking, I did steadily gain weight after that because I ate and ate and ate, and I didn't think it would be a problem. I just thought I'd lose it afterwards, but you know, I never did. I'm glad that you're being sensible about it now, as opposed to going on a fad diet. What I did, and this week, because it's difficult when you're traveling. In fact, it's really hard. We'll talk about this in a minute, but. When I went down to Plymouth, I just decided that I would try to, you know, be sensible about stuff. You know, the guys were going out to the Cornish pasty shop. Mm. I know, love, love pasties. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'd have a salad. Wow, that takes some restraint. And then the other thing that I did, <laughs> which I'm 
you know, because I don't stay exactly in luxury when I go to these places. And I've got this little rental car. So I'm driving from where the lab is, where I'm working, out to the travel lodge, which is kind of on the edge of town. I'm thinking, oh, maybe I'll, I'll stop off on the way and, you know, get something to eat on the way home. There's nothing except McDonald's, literally nothing. Oh. So I'm thinking, I'm not going to go into McDonald's. So I did a, I did a U-turn and I went back to Morrison's and I bought myself a salad in a tub, like a, you know, a couscous salad, mm. chicken salad. And it was actually really nice. I had couscous salad with a couple of boiled eggs, hard boiled eggs. That was my tea. So I can imagine it's difficult when you're traveling. Fortunately, I don't travel all that much because I think that if I did, I would be obese because you do often just opt for the more convenient. The more convenient thing is always the unhealthier option, isn't it? I think that I must have put on at least five pounds when we went to America that couple of weeks ago. Oh dear. A few weeks ago. So imagine you didn't go, you'd be way far ahead of Paul in this competition. Yeah, but no, but I'd be starting lower, wouldn't I? I'd still have the same amount, but I'd be starting lower. Oh, okay. And then I wouldn't have eaten all that delicious fried food that I did eat in America. Yeah. But are you still going to give yourself, you're still going to treat yourself. Mm. Oh, yeah, because I'm going to do that thing that you told me about all those years ago, which was like have a treat day, which is a Saturday. Right. So it's always going to be a Saturday. It's a good... Always a Saturday. See, I have Fat Fridays. What happens on a Fat Friday? Well, you just eat whatever I want. Could you eat whatever you want for the whole day? Nah. Just have like one thing. It's like cake. I No, I always start off on my Fat Friday. I start off, you know, with a good healthy meal and then I just snack a bit more and I'll go out for dinner and eat something unhealthy and get blittered. We go often to a really nice restaurant out on Anglesey, Dullands, if you ever get over that way. It's really, really nice. Um, and that would be my thing, like on a Saturday, sort of Saturday evening, go out for a dinner somewhere. But again, I'm not going to go bananas over it. Mm, you know, bananas. I, are bananas good for you or not? Because somebody told me that actually they're quite high in calories. I would say they're good for you. Obviously, they're quite sugary, but it's natural sugar. It's not like eating a Mars bar, is it? Gosh, no. Have you had a fried Mars bar yet? Did I ask you this before? No, 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 I've never had a fried Mars bar. Okay. Me either. Elvis used to eat deep fried hamburgers. What? I'm not kidding. Right, see, I don't know too much, too much about Elvis. I know he was thin and then he was fat, and that explains a lot. I watched the program about this the other day when I was bored in the hotel room. Genetically, he had a defect which meant that he had a very weak heart. So when he did get big, and his diet didn't help, you know, because he, he did get really fat. Obviously, you know, his heart just went, oh. I can't cope. And that was the end of that, which is a real shame. How old was he? Uh, 42, I think. Wow, that's far too young. But he was, um, he was actually quite ill towards the end and he had, uh, glaucoma. You know, the thing with your eyes? No. It's, uh, it's, I think it's something to do with cataracts or something in your eyes. Basically, he was virtually blind towards the end. He had to be kind of helped off stage. So he was still performing. Yeah. There's oh, one did, very um, famous video. And did Gettle still fancy him when he was fat? I'm sure some did. He's Elvis for God's sake. Uh huh. He's the king. He's the king. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> I'm not going to go crazy over it. I'm just going to make a few different choices. Like, I think for the first month anyway, I'm just going to try to reduce avoidable carbs. 
that's, that's one of the things that I want to do. So, you know, I'll have a salad with something as opposed to having chips with something. Yeah. I mean, I went to the, the airport coming home yesterday evening and, you know, there's like the little cafe area thinking, right, well, I'll get some tea or I'll get something to eat before I get on the plane. Every single thing was wrapped in bread. That's like all they had. Sandwiches, paninis. It's like everything. It was like Carb City. I know. It's so terrible. I suppose it's because it's easy and cheap. You just, you know, fill a bun. But that's what bothers me because I eat quite clean and I just find that it's so expensive to eat healthily because you're buying all of this fresh food. Whereas it's always the unhealthy options that are cheaper. It's always the crisps that are on sale for a pound and the chips that are on sale. It's, it is quite expensive to be healthy, isn't it? Why can't it be easier? I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get why celery isn't on offer in Tesco's. But, Love you know, celery. crisps are. Celery's interesting if you have a dip, you know. What sort of dip? Oh, dip as in, do you dip? I thought you meant like a sugar dip. No. Like a mid-afternoon like dip. Like you dip it in something. Celery's interesting if you dip it in Nutella, you know. Don't do that. <laughs> peanut butter. Ew. Don't um, you like peanut butter? No. It's really good for you, though. It's really not good for you. That's the thing that, like, bodybuilders eat, isn't it, to, like, bulk up? Yeah. I think, is it not quite high in protein or something? Yeah. Well, I don't nuts, know. But it's, it's not diet food. That's what it is. Anyway, did you see, in fact, I know that you saw, because I sent you a link to it earlier, Rachel Andrews, she posted some tips, five tips for healthy, frequent travelers like me. Yes, because I always read what Rachel writes because I think that she has, she has an interesting blog. She's ace. Mm-hmm. So she had her five tips, which were start each day well by having, she said here, high protein breakfast. So eggs, basically. And don't skip breakfast. No, you see, I used to do this all the time and then graze during the day, and I try not to do it now. I try to have something good in the morning and then go all the way through to lunchtime without anything other than, you know, a cup of tea. I remember a phase where you were constantly tweeting about... <laughs> it was so funny. What was it? You were, like, having your your egg and soldiers, but you were, <laughs> you were giving them different names every day. Well, because I'm an, I've been an anti-war protester for like my entire life, so it just seems a bit odd that every day I have soldiers. Right. So, what? What can you remember? What else you were calling them? Because it was really funny. Oh, I can't remember now, but they were they were they, they were sort of you know Cuban revolutionaries and uh, and sort of Bolshevik. I don't know what they were. I can't remember now. But this is the thing. Now, now I can have boiled eggs, but what am I going to do with the soldiers? What am I going to have instead? Um, I think that you can still have, you can limit your soldiers and make sure that you have brown soldiers. No, we always have brown soldiers. We never have white soldiers. <laughs> never have white bread in the house. Well, I, you can just, I, I started eating just eggs without bread, but it does, it just, you just have to make it a habit at the end of the day, like anything, don't you? I think that I should just basically just have one piece of toast instead of two and like a couple of boiled eggs You're having piled two? on top. Yeah, two boiled eggs, two slices of toast. Oh, man, Andy. Is that a lot? Well, I wouldn't have to, but it's not a lot. So speaking of two, number two, no conference two, snacks. No conference snacks. No, yes, because any conference I go to, um, remember New Adventures used to have the mountain of cupcakes, literally yep. a mountain of cupcakes. 
they did look beautiful. Well, that's why they're too difficult to pass up. I remember Aral, Aral Balkan. Um, he did a little kind of evening event down in Brighton. It's like the last time I went down to Brighton and we did this little evening thing. Uh, Sarah Parmenter and I went down there and they had cupcakes with our faces on. Oh, so you ate your face. It was grotesque. <laughs> what did a they mound taste? of cupcakes with mahidon. Did they taste grotesque? No, they tasted fabulous, as all cupcakes do. Do you have a picture of this? Somewhere in my iPhoto library, I will try to dig one out and send it to you. Okay, I'd like to see that. <laughs> I don't think I'd eat one, though. What, with my face in yeah. particular, or just anyone's face? Just anybody's face. It's a bit strange. It was wacky. Number three. No fizzy drinks or sweets. Do you have chocolate every day? Because it baffles me when people do eat chocolate every day. No, I haven't had chocolate for weeks. Oh, good boy. Um, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> no, and I didn't eat. I used to be terrible where when I used to drive around a lot more, I couldn't stop for petrol and fill up without buying a king-size Twix bar and a can of Red Bull. Wow. That was my entire, I think my entire body was, was made up at one point, 50% Twix and 50% Red Bull. That's bad. Mm, but that was when I smoked. So I'd be buying tabs at the same time. And I suppose the tabs kept the weight off. I don't know. Mm -hmm. At Smashing Conference a couple of weeks ago, they had a big fridge at the back of the venue and it was stocked full with fizzy pop. Wow. What for, for all of the attendees? Mm, yeah. You could just go and get yourself a, you know, a can of fizzy pop. I never drink fizzy drinks. Not even iron brew. No. I said this to you last time. I don't want cellulite. No, I've forgotten about that. Yeah. So also Rachel was saying that she has black coffee instead of milk in her coffee, which I do as well. But I think most people will have lattes and quite extravagant coffees. I'll have a latte when I'm out. I had one yesterday when I was at the airport because it was kind of my kind of finishing the, the week treat. Oh, but you're on soy milk, are you not? I do. I do soy milk. Yeah. Cause I can't have too much dairy. So yeah, I like soy milk, mm -hmm. which I think is kind of, it's, it's still sweet though, but it's not, I don't have any sugar in it. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, as it comes, mm -hmm. but I have black coffee and also I've started to, um, I switched over from having sugar cause I usually have half a teaspoon of sugar in a cup of coffee mm -hmm. and i switched over to that natural stuff i forget what it's called now but it's the stuff that's like made of plant leaves what sugar yeah it's not sugar though it's something else Is it, it's like do a, they call it splenda it's something like that but that has an unfortunate side effect with me oh do i want to know what that side effect is makes me fart <laughs> A lot. Oh, wow. I feel sorry for the Sue's. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons why I don't have it. So, wifey <laughs> Sue, she bought me this, and I forget what it's called. I should go and get it. But basically, it's like a syrup, and it's actually made from cactuses. It's like cactus juice. Right. And it's it's very high fructose, so you don't need to have a lot, and it's, so it's really, really sweet, but you don't put a lot in it, and it's not processed sugar. It's not refined sweetness so you have this in your tea so no not in tea i have tea without i can drink tea without any sweetener at all but i always put like a little bit in a cup of coffee all right i see number four beware the conference lunch ah not every conference provides you with your lunch though do they 
No, smashing um, sent people out. Um, New Adventures was good for that, but it was it was carb heavy. That was a bag, like a big sandwich bag. I remember. Yeah, it was always it was interesting. An event apart, do a proper proper sit down lunch, you know, with a pudding. And Build Conference used to give you a ticket to go to the market and choose what you wanted from the market. That sounds like a good idea. It was because there were there were a lot of options, and it wasn't all really stodgy stuff. But the queues were long. I want my food now. Well, what Rachel says here, she says most often conference lunches are carb heavy, and likely to make you just feel sleepy in the afternoon sessions. So oh, true. Man, I, hate that. I, hate I get that. so tired. For an event apart, particularly, I always used to be on straight after lunch on the second day. It was a sort of the snoozing shift. Yeah, that's the shift that I had at industry. It's tough. You have to really lift the energy in the room, if you can, to keep people from nodding off. Yeah. Anyway, so Rachel said, you know, I scope out what I can sneak off and get where I can sneak off and get a salad or soup for lunch. And we've done this a couple of times, actually. We've actually wandered out. Even when lunch is provided like an event apart, it's just nice to get out and have a walk. You know, walk out and find a little bakery or something you know where you can get something else i just don't have that restraint i feel like when i'm away at a conference i kind of treat it a little bit like a holiday if i'm honest no, well i do that with drinking which is number five because number five is yes. making sensible choices at dinner and basically avoid picking bread which i do all the time if there's a they come with a basket of bread that's mine <laughs> i don't care yeah. how many people around at the table it's like that's my bread i know love bread ask for butter dressings and sauces on the side you see i did this yesterday i picked i got a salad you're a changed man i know i'm trying hard i got a salad at the airport and i forgot to ask for it It was a caesar salad with smoked salmon i thought it was going to be really healthy and then it came and oh man it was like swimming and dressing oh yeah i should have asked for it on the side it was it was really salty and not terribly nice so i'm not going to forget that in, in future no, beware of the salads that masquerade as healthy. Yeah, because I bet there was like a gajillion calories in that dressing. Probably. Probably a gajillion. So anyway, alcoholic drinks. Because mm. I don't drink at home. Mm -hmm. Hardly ever. If I'm going to drink anything when I'm at home, I'll just have like a bottle of Krabby's ginger beer. That's Oh, I love Krabby's. And it's from a Scottish company. Because mm. it's got a wee thistle, hasn't it? Yeah. On the we love that's, our thistles. That's how you can tell. But I've tried to move away from, I, I love cocktails. I've tried to move away from cocktails. Like Rachel says here, they're so sugary. And so I try to drink gin and slimline tonic. Well, that's what I was doing down at Smashing Conf. I was drinking. I've discovered Hendrix gin. Oh, Hendrix gin. I bought a bottle yesterday. It's good. And having it with cucumber instead of lemon or lime. That's the proper way to have it. Have you tried that before? Because this was the first time I've had it. Yeah, I'm like, I know what I'm doing with my Hendrix. Cucumber. Mm. But no, I like an old-fashioned, because I'm normally a whiskey drinker when I'm out, or a bourbon drinker. That's disgusting. It's not disgusting. I don't like scotch, but I like bourbon. Smells disgusting. It's really not. It burns my throat. Not if it's a smooth one. If you get like a coarse bourbon or whiskey, then yeah, but something nice. Something like a Woodford Reserve 
or a bullet. They're nice. Yeah, okay, Andy. Especially in an old-fashioned, because that's my drink. I like an old-fashioned. I've never tasted one. I've, but given, it just you part, I've given you a taste oh, of an old-fashioned well, before. Well, then it must have been really underwhelming because I don't remember it. Story of my life, that. <laughs> we should do another sponsor. Go for it. just want to tell you about another product from Venamco. These are the people that brought us Ghost Lab. But this time it's not a software product. It's hardware. And it's the Responsive Design Development Stand. And it's called Device Lab. So I'm sure you know that one of the problems with design and device testing on responsive sites is that you've got all these devices, you've got lots of smartphones, you've got tablets scattered around your desk, and you've got to pick them up and put them down and check how your site's going to look across all their different screens. And you've got to keep them powered up, so you've got cables everywhere. Oh, man, I hate that. Really hate things being messy. Then... If you work in a team and you've got to share devices with other people and you need to take your rig to a client site for a demonstration, things just get really messy. And that's where Device Lab comes in. It's a stand that's small enough to sit on your desk and it can hold an average of four to seven devices, phones, tablets, depending on the size. And you attach the devices with Velcro so they stay securely in place on the stand. And that's important because... The stand can be used in either portrait or landscape orientation, just like a phone or a tablet. So then you can test your devices in one orientation and you swing the whole case around and then test them in the other. It's brilliant. Cable management is built in and that takes care of all the spaghetti. And the device stand looks really good on a desk right next to your computer. So you're not going to want to keep it tucked away. I've got a device lab sat on my desk right now. And it's got my iPad mini and some test phones attached to it. It looks fabulous. The price is $149 plus shipping. Or for $20 more, you get one that includes uh, a license for Ghost Lab. That's a nice touch because that normally costs about $49. Plus, they sell an agency package that's three device lab stands, five Ghost Lab licenses. And this is the good bit. You get free express shipping. And that's $499. So go to unfinished.bz slash device lab and get yourself a device lab. What are you waiting for? My stomach's rumbling. We should stop talking about food. Okay. Well, it's a good thing you mentioned that because it's time. This is the moment where most people have been waiting for. They've been on tender hooks waiting for Ashley Baxter's Scottish slang word of the week. Well, I already gave you one and you didn't even notice. Oh, did I miss it? Well, maybe it isn't a Scottish word then. Maybe because I, I know a few, so maybe I just, it just went over me. So I was talking about Fat Fridays and how I'm going to get, how on a Fat Friday I get blutered. Do you know what blutered means? I know what blutered means. Is it a Scottish word? I think it is, yeah, but I just think it's one that I've heard before. Okay. Then I'll choose another one. <laughs> Last time it was munter. <laughs> it was munter, those munters at the weddings. <laughs> munter became a hashtag. Yeah, a couple of people liked that. Where I was kind of hoping you would cut it out of the <laughs> podcast. Um, so do you guys ever call anybody a bampot? 
Oh, now that's one that I remember from when I was a kid, a Bampot. So that's not Scottish either? No, but you see, I grew up in Corby, surrounded by Scots. Oh, yeah, so your Bampot. So your Bampot. That's probably why I know somebody. Yeah, now that's a good one. That is, that is Ashley Baxter's Scottish word of the week. There you go, Bampot. Which translates to idiot, or if you're an American, jerk. Do they say jerk? They probably do. Yeah, so that's what it means, guys. That's what Bampot means. Feel free to use it. What's your spelling of Bampot? B-A-M-P-O-T. I think so. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to Google it now and just see what comes up if I actually Google Bampot, see whether that's the correct spelling. Good idea. Bampot. Urban Dictionary, Bampot. Glaswegian word for head case. Head case. Away you go, you Bampot, you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Mm, I, I can't read some of these out. Where are they? What are you looking I'm, at? I'm looking at urbandictionary.com and there's some really funny ones. <laughs> Where? Oh, ho you, you Bampot. Oh, hi, you wee totally heated Bampot. Where's that? Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh, the Scottish language is so ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, they even have an example of the teacher using it to speak to a pupil. Sit over there, you bampot. Love it. That probably does happen in Scottish schools as well. Let's not talk about food, but let's talk about fitness. I want to know about your Nike fuel band. Um, which is actually in the wardrobe at the moment, not charged up. Oh, because why? because I forgot to um, I forgot to charge it up earlier on in the week, and then I didn't take it with me down to Plymouth, so I just haven't worn it for a week or so. I was under the impression when I was choosing my fitness companion or whatever you want to call it, I was under the impression that the Nike Fuel Band was more so targeted towards people who can comp- uh, not compete, but people who do sports. Mm. Am I wrong? Yeah, I think so. Um, it was a present for my birthday last year, so, so you got me it. So you should wear it every day then? No, well, I ought to. But I had a jawbone. I had the first jawbone up, and I bought that because I wanted it to track my steps. And it was also quite good that it sort of tracked sleeping patterns and things like that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the problem with the jawbone, at least the one that I had right at the very beginning, was that it was crap. and it broke a lot and I kept sending it back and getting new ones. And I don't know whether that's changed, but it put me off buying one again. Well, I'm on the second version, which they brought out after the first version got recalled or whatever the correct term is. And I love it, but I'm on my third one. So the issues are still there. I haven't had a problem with the Nike one. So tell me how you're using that jawbone. Well, I no longer track my sleep with it I'm not that interested to see how much or little I've slept so I really just use it to I walk to and from work and obviously go to the gym and whatnot and make sure that I get over my 10,000 steps every day it bums me out when I don't but I also got really got into the habit of using it to track my food as well so I was recording all of my exercise and inputting all of my food because the library the food library that they have is really vast very accurate it's good so I could offset the calories I burned with the calories that I was eating and that was that was really good I need to get back into the habit of doing that to be honest 
Wait a minute. So the app then, presumably, that you've got on your phone, the Jawbone app, that has a food library in it so you can put in what you eat. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what foods library it taps into. I think it actually uses, do you know my fitness pal? Yes, I have that app. Yeah, I think it uses their database. So it's so vast. There are very few occasions where I've went to input something and it doesn't have it in it. So I quite like seeing, cause I log my workouts as well. I log my running or I log my weightlifting and I quite like seeing how many calories I've burned and how many calories I've consumed. See, I don't do that with the, the Nike thing, which I don't use properly. I use it just to track the number of steps. And most of the time, you know, I don't do anywhere near 10,000. That's because you work from home, isn't it? I know. And I was saying the other day about how difficult it is to, you know, keep moving when you're sitting on your ass all day. And somebody just said, just set an alarm every half an hour, get up and do 30 squats. Well, that's what the jaw, the jawbone up does as well. I don't know. Did your version do that? You could set it to vibrate so that if you were sitting down idle for an hour. Yeah, the fuel band does that as well. It flashes up. Go, Andrew. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Go, Andrew. Yeah, but no, I don't go. I just, like, pull my sleeve down over it. Shocking. You need to do that thing where people who work from home get get up out of their beds, get dressed, have a shower. Not in that order. They have a shower and then they get dressed. They go outside and walk around the block and go back to their house to start work. Have you ever heard of that? No, I haven't. But that's actually a really, really good idea because when I go to work, I just stumble down one set of stairs and then stumble up the next. Yeah, I think it's like a psychological thing, but also it gets you moving. So you walk to work then? Yeah, I mean, so my studio is like two miles from my house and I'm allowed to take my dog. So it makes a lot of sense for me to walk there so that Indy gets her exercise in the morning and especially because I go to the gym in the morning as well. So by the time I go to the gym and walk to work, by 10 o'clock, I've done my 10,000 steps. You go to the gym every day? Not every day, no. I go four times a week. So yeah, my job went up. It definitely makes me want to move more because I know that on, on days, on the days that I don't walk to work, on the days maybe I work from home, or on the days that I don't go to the gym, I'm too ashamed to check my jawbone up in case it doesn't say I've done my steps. So I always make sure I get out a nice big walk with the dog or something. Do you do the social thing though? Do you have it, you know, connected to your friends so that yeah. other people can see? Yeah. Yeah, I've got a bunch of friends on there. I've got my mum on there. See, I don't do that. That's the thing. She's crazy because one of the things that's helping me at the moment with the with the BOAC challenge is, you know, just the idea of kind of beating Paul, which is quite nice. But I don't do the social thing with anything else. It's not like, you know, I'm comparing my number of steps with everybody. anybody else has got a fuel band. I've got no idea. I know. It is kind of redundant. It's not terribly interesting. And unless you've got like a really competitive group of friends, I can't see why there's a need for it. The thing that I <laughs> noticed about, uh, noticed, but I knew about the, the fitness, the, the fuel band, which I hadn't really thought of before is I've been going swimming. Yeah. And of course you can't wear the thing in the pool, can you? So it's got no idea of what I'm burning off when I'm doing 20 lengths. Maybe you can with a fuel band. It's not waterproof, I'm sure, because it's got a USB thing on it. Oh, yeah. I'm just Googling it. It says um, Nike's activity tracker is now completely waterproof. Oh. But 
you know, read a bit more up on that before you jump into the pool. Well, that's the thing. And that's what I'm going to try to do. I mean, I went last Sunday and my target was 25 lengths. You know, it is, they're like, it's a 22 meter pool. So it's, you know, it's not like a paddling pool. So my target was 25 and I did 10 and then sat on the edge of the pool and died. Really? really? Was it difficult? Swimming is something it, I never do. No, it actually really was hard because I haven't done any proper swimming, you know, head down proper swimming for 20 years or something. So. I dived in and got going and I did two lengths and then was like, Oh my God, <laughs> this is more exercise than I've had in years. Wow. So I slowed down a bit and I, I did 10 lengths on the trot and then sat on the edge of the pool so much. Look, obviously looking a little bit wan because the, um, the lifeguard came over and she said, <laughs> you know, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. <sighs> wow. So, um, did it, did you feel the release of the endorphins when you were exercising? No, not until later. Cause what happened was I sat, I did 10 and then sat there and then thought, come on, Clucky, you know, you can do more than this. So, and there was nobody there with me. I, you know, I was like, this is the thing, you know, I often, I need that extra kind of push just to get me going, but there was nobody there to give me the push. But I, so I did it myself, which is like a real breakthrough for me. But Andy, do you remember that I took you to the gym once? I do, and you nearly killed me. I have a photo of you almost dead on the floor. It's on, it's on Instagram. I don't think I'd quit smoking very long because I think my lungs were probably the size of a crisp packet at that point. Swimming's probably a good place to start then, isn't it? It's quite it is. low impact. Yeah. We, and, and, I th and I don't like running, so I think swimming is definitely my thing. So then I went on and I did 25. And when I got out, I would have done more, but I did 26 actually. And then I got cramp. So I got out. Um, and then when I back, when I got back into the changing rooms, then I was really feeling the, the endorphins going. I, my, I could feel my blood moving around, which is highly unusual. So, but one of the things that I enjoy most, this is a bit disgusting about exercising, which I get more from running than I do from weightlifting is sweating. Okay. I love to sweat, but when you swim, do you sweat? Well, I'm sure you do, but it just kind of disappears. I don't know whether you, whether you sweat in the same way. This is one of the things I don't like that kind of sweaty out of breath feeling, which I'm sure is one of the reasons why I've not done enough exercise for 20 years. I don't know. I bet you would like it given the chance. I like saunas. Does that count? No, they're too claustrophobic. So you go to the gym four times a week, which I used to go six times a week. Like a few years ago, I was really obsessed with it. And I'm so I've, I've had in 2011, that's when I first started going to the gym. I'd never been to the gym before. I had a, a breakup, you know, a bad breakup and it hit me hard. And I decided to channel that into something positive. So I joined the gym. And like most women, I gravitated towards the kind of cardio side of things. And I lost, I think, about a stone quite quickly because I'd never exercised before. So my body was like, wow. And then one of the trainers nudged me towards the weight section. And I thought, why would I want to go over there? Um, because that's, that's what the men do. It was a very narrow minded kind of attitude. But obviously I tried it out and I got hooked. And, um, yeah, 2012, I was training for a 10K, which isn't a, a large distance by any means, but I was training six times a week and I was in the best shape of my life. And then, in 2013, I ate a lot of cake. 
<laughs> it all went downhill. You know, like every Christmas and New Year, you have that blowout. And then instead of getting back on the wagon, I went to Bruges and I ate all of these Belgian waffles. And I didn't get fat by any means, but I certainly wasn't in the best shape of my life anymore. So this year, I've really been focused on getting back on track. I've got a 10K in a month and I've been going back to the gym a bit more regularly. I've never felt as happy or as confident as I have when I was, you know, training regularly. So I hope to get back to that because I felt amazing. My problem is that I really want to be fit and I want to look better. You know, I want to do exercise and I want to enjoy it. But I was always the, I never like sport in school. You know, I was always the kind of completely uncoordinated. I was always the, you know, the archetypal last one to get picked in the football team guy right Mm -hmm. so i never ever enjoyed sport in school i used to enjoy swimming because it was uh you know it was on i was on my own it wasn't a team sport you know you were just relying on yourself so i did swimming which kind of was okay but i have this kind of real psychological thing and i don't understand why i have it it's i'm okay when i'm out there doing it you know I, i was okay when i got in the pool and i was actually doing it but i you know i drove the 20 minutes to the leisure center where the pool is and i sat in the car for 10 minutes before i went in almost panicking you know really really nervous about actually you know buying a ticket and getting a locker key and you know getting changed it was really strange it was almost like a kind of a panic thing why i don't know because it was all right when i got there and you know and quite often you know so we'll say let's go for a big walk on anglesey or something on a on a sunday and Half of me is going, yeah, that would be fantastic. And it is fantastic when we get out there. But the other half of me is going, you don't want to do that. You want to sit on your ass and watch Star Trek. Yeah. I have this real kind of internal battle with exercise in that I know that I need to do it. I know that I want to do it. And when I'm doing it, I like it. But it's that other bit. And I don't understand where it comes from. I think most people have that, Andy. I think that's really common. And if it was easy, then we'd all have six packs. Or we'd all look like Beyonce. Do you want to look like Beyonce? Nah, I don't want to look like Beyonce. I want to look like Jeremy Irons. Don't know who he is. But anyway, <laughs> have you thought about... He was in a film. What, like an old black and white film? No, not like an old black and white <laughs> film. He was in... Have you seen uh, Die Hard 2? Yes. Oh, him. Yeah, him. I know him. That's a bizarre idol to have, is it not? Yeah, but he's 10 years older than me and always looks amazing. Well, I just think, yeah, if it was that easy, then we'd all look like Jeremy Irons and Beyonce. Um, But have you considered, I think you and Sue should buy bikes. Everybody's buying bikes and it's tricky around here, I think. I mean, it'd be a beautiful place to do it. I mean, I shouldn't make excuses. I would really like to do some cycling and I think it'd be a good thing to do together. Uh, Sue's not very keen on it. Hmm. Well, I guess you do need to find something that, that you, that is exercise, but you find it fun that it doesn't feel like a chore to do. Mm. And I think the swimming's the thing. I mean, Sue goes off and does her, uh, her class, her, her circuit class, uh, three times a week. Yeah. Which, you know, and she's looking better than ever. So I just need to keep going swimming. I want to go swimming. Like this coming week, I'm going to go three times at least. Well, I'm going to chase you up on that. No, you need to, because otherwise I do just often get lazy. Well, I have one last suggestion, but I know that you'll say no. Go on. 
Why don't, in order to get you out walking more, you rehome a dog? Oh, but we had a dog. I and know. it was no, I know, and no, that's another thing that that I'll never have. I'd be, I'd be able to get another motorbike easier than I'd be able to get a dog, to be honest, because the last one we had made Sue's life in particular a complete misery. Okay. So, uh, no, I'd like a, I'd like a bulldog. You know, like Brad Frost's bulldog is amazing. Uh, I've not seen his bulldog, but you saw that bulldog that I temporarily rehomed. Yeah, I know Sumo. Sumo, gosh, after having a male dog, I'll never have another male dog. Like, I'll just stick to my pretty little princess dog instead of my big sweaty bulldog that I had in the house. He was a nice (laughs) dog, though. That's what I need to do. I need to actually just get over this kind of mental inertia and then start doing it. And I'm sure that once I get into the habit, once it becomes kind of second nature that, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's after lunch on a Tuesday or something, I'm going to go swimming or probably before lunch, then I'm going to get into the habit and it's going to be fine. Yeah. And it's so good to use that as a time to think about topics for the podcast or new projects to work on or a problem, a solution to your design problem. At least that's what I get out of exercise. Yeah. And I think I did find that on Sunday because I was actually trying really hard to focus on breathing and staying afloat and i wasn't thinking about css at all which was nice my mind was clear you know and i came back and i was actually beaming i was really smiling and sue was like oh so you had a good time then yeah you know no it was good i i am gonna keep going on it good well i am gonna chase you up on it we should wrap it up okay it's time to go out and get blittered yeah bam pop I'm not really going to go out and get blittered, by the way. I'm probably just going to sit in my house by myself and play PlayStation. People can follow you, Ashley, on Twitter. Uh-huh. Have I to say my Twitter name, or do you not know it? I know your Twitter name. Well, you can say it now, because you've interrupted me. Sorry, Andy. My Twitter name is I am Ashley because I am Ashley. Ah, I get it now. Mm-hmm. Or me, at Malarkey. Because I talk bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> To ask questions and suggest topics, you can message the show on Twitter at unfinishedbz or you can email me, he has at unfinished.bz. Thanks again to our sponsors this week. They were the Business of Web Design Conference and Device Lab. You can support our show by supporting them. Are we too fuck? <laughs> You're not going to put that in, are you? <laughs>